Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. You know, this guy's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, he's been staying with us uh, in between his busy appointments with everybody because he's done our youth on Friday night, which was exceptional, and, and did our young adults last night, which was exceptional, and uh, just carry something. The thing about Teo that I really like is he's a nice guy, and I really like him. And so he's a real joy to have at our house. Um, you know, he's just that kind of a person. But he is a, a, a father of two amazing young young boys. Uh, uh, one that's uh, eight, I think it is. But he's got he's got he's got two, Sammy and Isaac. I think Isaac's the younger one. Uh, also, he's married to the beautiful Lucy, and together they are a powerhouse. They're they're uh, pastors at a church in Canberra, and it has an amazing ministry. And uh, I just want you to give it up. Big city welcome for Teo Kanda. Come on, Teo. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus in this place. So good, so good. Hey, what what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna high five four people before we take a seat. Why don't we do that? High five four people. Take a seat. Fantastic. It's such an honor to be here uh, this morning, City Church, Sunshine Coast. I left eight degrees in Canberra to be here in 28 degrees in the Sunshine Coast, and I am not complaining whatsoever. But uh, Lucy and I, we are from Canberra, and um, we uh, are, are pastors at a church called Life Unlimited Church, and uh, yeah, we're seeing God move there, doing incredible things. And our senior pastors are Pastor, Pastors Sean and Linda Stanton. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but uh, Pastor Sean is the National uh, Secretary for our movement, Australian Christian Churches, which looks after uh, 3,000 churches in our nation. And so we are just so honoured and blessed that they release us to uh, the nation and to be able to speak uh, into the heart of different local churches and different cities. So I just want to give a big shout out to my pastors right now for uh, releasing me. And it is so good to be here. And as you saw, you saw um, Sammy and Isaac. Sammy's seven year, years old and Isaac is five years old. And um, they're our two boys. It's such a pleasure fathering them. I love them so much. And a big shout out because sometimes I listen to my podcasts. I don't know, they must like the sound of my voice. I don't know why. I pay him a lot of money to do that. But, um, and uh, with Lucy, my wife, uh, when we first met, we uh, met at uh, university. And she was a 17-year-old uh, student. And so she was quite young, a very young student indeed, going into university. And so I didn't know, but uh, I thought she was like half Puerto Rican, Portuguese or Brazilian. I didn't know what nationality she was. And as I met some of her family, some of her cousins, I realized very quickly that she's an indigenous warrior girl, Aboriginal Wiradjuri. And, um, and she's got a very strong spirit, and I love that. And it's, it's awesome because my parents uh, came from Japan in the, 19, in the 70s, and so I'm Japanese, although I was born in Sydney, and Lucy's Aboriginal, but our two boys are now Japoriginals. 
I caught him out the backyard. I caught him out the backyard trying to hunt some animals with chopsticks. I'm like, what's going on? An identity crisis right there. <laughs> what are you doing? But yeah, we love our gorgeous Jap originals. And uh, they sometimes get in trouble at school. And uh, the, the teachers just don't understand. It's not the parenting, it's not the parents' fault. It's actually the fact that they're Jap originals. I take no responsibility for any bad behavior of my children, okay? So to all the principals out there, all the directors of childcare centers, it's not my fault. <laughs> so good. But this morning, I wanted to share a message. It's called The Robe, The Ring, and The Sacrifice. And it's going to come up on the screen. The Robe, The Ring, and The Sacrifice. I find that in life when you, when you have an experience like the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, when you have an experience where you've got everything or it seems like you've got everything in life sorted, where everything in life seems like it's going well and all of a sudden something happens or something takes place. I know this feeling, I'm very familiar with this feeling where it feels like I've got my life sorted, things are going really well, our marriage is doing great, our kids are doing great at school and all of a sudden something happens and it seems like now we've gone from the palace to the pig pen. Now, I wanted to talk about this. This is something very personal and dear to my life through my experiences. And I wanted to speak it into people's souls this morning as the Holy Spirit moves and He touches me and He touches each and every one of us. I just believe that there is something significant that God is going to drop in this room as we lean into His Word and into His presence this morning. Let's pray. Father, we so thank you. We already know that you are here. We already know that your presence is here very, very powerfully. And all we're doing is leaning in and we are going to align our hearts, align our minds and agree with your word this morning. Because your word is sharper than two, any two-edged sword, Lord God. Your, your word reveals to us the truth. It actually helps to mold our perspective. It shapes and determines our future. And we thank you, Lord God, that we give your word authority over our lives this morning because you're a good, good father. You've got great things in store for us, great things ahead of us. And we agree to the plans and purposes that you have for us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 I'm not sure if you've heard of the story of the prodigal son, but we're going to read from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 22. And so let's go. It might be on the screen there for you as well in the NIV version. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the, his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, turn to the person next to you and say, come to your senses. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, 
I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went out to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. They began to celebrate. What I realized in my own life, we are all so vulnerable. We're vulnerable to the enemy, his ways. We're vulnerable to our own decisions that we make. We are vulnerable to the influences that are around us. And it is quite easy. In fact, it is much easier to live a careless life than an intentional life for God. It is much easier to live and create your own path for yourself than to actually submit, submit under the authority of the Word of God. It is easier and it is easier to live a comfortable life than a surrendered life. But who knows that a surrendered life always comes out better. A surrendered life ends up more successful. A surrendered life gives you joy. It gives you peace. It gives you comfort. It gives you strength. It gives you vision. It gives you a path for your future. It it helps you to have influence so that you can change the world. If you are under authority and if you are sitting under a leader or, or you're sitting under God, your life is going to be blessed, but it is so much easier to live a careless life than a careful life. And let me give you some context about living a careless life. So I grew up in Sydney, and my father, he was a full-blown alcoholic, and so my three older brothers, who were all living in one squashed two-bedroom apartment in King's Cross in a, in a government housing complex with my mother. So there were six of us living in a two-bedroom apartment. Who knows that it can get pretty crazy when you're all living in the same room? And anyway, my father was a full-blown alcoholic, and so life got tricky at times. And sometimes you would approach him, and he would be incredibly intoxicated, And he would say things like hurling stones of insults. And most of my life, I felt as if I was being disrespected. I was being discouraged. It felt as though I was having hurled stones thrown at me. It felt like I was being damaged on the inside. But I didn't look at him as an evil person. I just knew that hurt people hurt. But when I was young, it was very difficult to understand why my father was like this. And I look back in hindsight and what I see is not an evil man. What I see is a careless life, a life that wasn't lived with intention and purpose. And yes, I do love my father and I respect my father, but he's given me permission to speak on some of these things. And so all of a sudden I get a phone call from my brother, my oldest brother, and he says, 
Teo. And this is in the midst of craziness. This is in the midst of when I'm young, I'm a teenager, and I'm, I've got a few court cases, significant court cases, because I'm so broken and I'm so lost and I'm so hurt. And my only role model is now not my father, but it is the streets. My other brothers were involved in drug dealing. They were involved in criminal activity. And collectively together, we had several court cases because of criminal offenses. And all of a sudden, I get a phone call from my older brother. And he says to me, you need to get to the hospital as soon as you can. Because the father that you barely know is dying because he's taken too many substances. The, the substances now are killing his body and they're trying to resuscitate him back to life. So you need to go to the hospital right now. So as a young man, I rush to the hospital and I see my father on a deathbed. And, and I look at him with, with sorrow. I look at him and all I can think is in my head, I do not want to waste my life. I do not want to live a careless life. I do not want to see my future end up like my father because this is exactly where I am headed. This is exactly where I am going. If I do not submit to God's authority, then the world is going to take me. I am very vulnerable. Every life is very vulnerable. I thought my dad was invincible, but now he is in a deathbed and they're telling me that he's going to die. And so I go over to the bed and I hold him in my arms, and I'm feeling lost and confused and broken. And at the time, I was seeing an anger management counselor because I've had all these issues that have been just hovering over my life, all this brokenness, all this identity crisis that is going on in my life. I hold him in my arms. And my dad is gasping for his last breath. And so he's trying to breathe in my arms. And all of a sudden... He breathes his last breath in my arms and he dies in my arms from an overdose as I was a teenager. This is an example of careless living. This is an example of the vulnerability of a human being. This is an example of where my life could have ended up. This is an example of the sin in this world. This is an example of the reality. This is happening right now outside our doorstep as we speak. And as I've counseled so many people, I'm a prison chaplain and I've also done counseling. I've worked with so many young people, so many teenagers, so many people that have experienced exactly the same thing as I did as a young person. And it's happening all around the world. The reality is we are vulnerable. And if we don't live an intentional life, if we live a careless life, if we just let life roll out and we don't have plans and we don't, and we don't get into the Word of God and we don't seek God, what happens is if we just let life determine its path, it will destroy us. It will literally destroy us. And all of a sudden, this prodigal son, he has everything. He's in the palace. He's got his father. He's got royalty. He's got riches. He's got wealth. He's got uh, an array of a supply of food, all the food that he could want, a banquet every night. He has got belonging. He has got acceptance. He has got love. He has got people in his life that care for him. He's got encouragement. He's got everything. And from one decision, he decides to sell it all or to give it all up because he's choosing another path for his life. And it doesn't just affect him, but it affects the community. It affects everybody around him. But he doesn't realize this because he goes and squanders the wealth of his father. 
and he finds himself eating with the pigs. That sounds familiar to me. Eating with the pigs. I found myself, after experiencing what I did experience and what I went through with my father, I found that I was eating with the pigs as well. I had many opportunities. Many people come and try and encourage me, my psychologist, and I had a counsellor, anger management counsellor. I had the police, the government that tried to support me, but I kept saying no, no. I even had the judge in my court case say, we believe in you, Tao, you just need to make the right decisions, and I'd say no. And I'd go off and live the same life. I lived a careless life, and it ended me up in the pig pen, eating with the pigs, trying to get validation from people who are also eating with the pigs. I don't know who you're surrounding yourself with, but we need to surround ourselves with godly wisdom, godly counsel, people that are on fire for Jesus. If we don't intentionally have people around us that love God and that serve God and that are passionate about Jesus, we end up just like them. We end up with all these problems, we end up with all this sorrow. We end up being bitter because our friend is bitter. Of course you're going to be bitter because you're hanging around bitterness. We need to hang around people that love people. We need to hang around people that are joyful, that, that are excited about the future. We've got to choose our environment very wisely. I found myself eating with the pigs, suffering from addictions. I had many court cases. I, have, I had hefty fines, legal fines, because I'm paying for solicitors and lawyers for the court cases. As a young man, I had 24 months good behavior bond. And I was facing eight years imprisonment because of a, a significant court case that could have gone wrong for me. And there I prayed to God. I said, God, please deliver me out of this situation. I have made a very bad decision. God, can you rescue me from this situation? I've gone and lived a squanderous life. I've made some decisions that are horrible. And I've used every excuse in the excuse book, but none of them got me out of this pig pen. God, I need you. The judge is saying I'm facing eight years and I need you in my life. And it was the first time I ever prayed because I'd never been to church before. I lived my whole life never hearing about God, never hearing about Jesus. And I'm finding myself in a detention unit praying to God, asking Him to deliver me. And I get these voices, it's too late. You've lived this life for too long and you are now going to suffer the consequences. But who knows when you pray, something shifts. Who knows when you pray, something shifts. I said, God, I want to live a life that pleases you. I didn't even know who Jesus was, but I felt His presence come into that come into that cell I felt his presence and they held me there for a little short time so that they could give out my ruling and in that place I felt his presence I felt his warmth and his peace he said I'm just gonna I'm gonna set you free Tao but sin no more and so all of a sudden what happens is the judge decides to turn around the situation and he says we're going to give you some severe consequences but I felt this is the first time I've ever done this in the history of me being involved in legal matters. I feel in my heart, this is what he said, I feel in my heart I need to set you free. I just have to. And so court dismissed, Teo, you go. $7,500, but you can go. I'm like, make it six and a half, come on. 
oh, but my father, you don't understand my story. They're just excuses I found. And at the end of the day, when we're face to face with Jesus, none of that actually matters because we are responsible for our own lives. And this pain that I'm experiencing should only propel me to my purpose because it's the pain that I have that will give me a platform for life. It is the experiences that we have that actually enable us to influence, to encourage, and to restore a city. It's what God can do through the fire, through the furnace, that He can make beautiful gold and He can put something up in the mantelpiece because it's been through the fire. It's been through the furnace. If you've been through anything, let's give God a hand because He's taken you to a higher place. So I found myself eating with the pigs. And I get released from this court case, but you've got to understand there is still brokenness. I kind of just looked at that court case and thought, oh, well, I wasn't even grateful for that. I didn't even see God's hand in that, even though it was, clearly. I didn't even thank Jesus. I didn't even thank God. He was there the entire time. I just flipped over the page and said, yeah, what am I doing tomorrow? I'm going to get some drugs. What am I going to do the next day? Yep, I've been smoking cigarettes a pack every day for the last six years. I'm going to do the same. Yep, I'll go to that nightclub. Yep, I'll drink underage. That's what I've been doing my whole life, so I'll go back to that lifestyle because it's careless living. It's not intentional living. But then I got invited to a church. Who knows that Christians can sometimes lie about going to a church event? It's like, dude, we got prawns and pasta. Yeah, you got prawns and pasta, but you didn't talk about the prayer and praise. I came from the prawns and pasta. You invited me to a, a feast. You invited me to a barbecue. You invited me to an incredible banquet. But then I got prayer and praise. I totally got freaked out. People were talking about Japanese cars. Should have bought a, bought a Hyundai, but I bought a Mazda. I'm like, what are you on about in this church? You're clapping and that. I'm thinking, this is a weird bunch of people. I'm smelling like cigarette. I'm smelling like alcohol from the night before going to the nightclub. I go to the church and I go to see the welcome team and they're like, Hello, dear. How are you going? What do you mean, how am I going? It's so good to see you in God's house. You are weird. You don't know the life I've lived. You don't know where I'm from. What are you doing? And then one gentleman goes, oh man, do you tithe? Do you pay 10%? Because we all do in this church. I'm like, man, what are you on about? But I'm a, right now in my life, I'm generous and believe in 10% and all that kind of thing. But at the time, I was freaking out. And the church was freaking out. And then the pastor gets up on stage. I'm not racist, by the way, but he was very pale. <laughs> gets up. Hello. Let's turn to Luke chapter <clears throat> 15. Turn with me now. Get your books out. Hurry up. I'm like, Dude, I could punch this guy in the face. I could. Hurry up. If you got something to say, say it. Dude, what's wrong with you? He started talking about the prodigal son. But I thought he was talking about me. I was like, this is, how does he know me? Like, how does he know my life? How does he know what happened with my dad? How does he know I ran away? How does he know this? How does he know I spent all this money? How does this guy know me? Oh, oh, interrogation. Oh, I see what's going on. 
this really pale dude has been interrogating me for the last three years. He knows all about me. Or I'll have a chat to him after the service. By the way, that worship team in that church service, the first time I ever went to church was so bad, they had a triangle up on stage. That was enough of a reason for me to never go to church again. Don't get a triangle. Don't get a tambourine. They had a flag waving. Someone had a Japanese flag. That kind of got me in a bit. But And all of a sudden, I had this plan to, to confront this pastor at the end of the service. And so I was thinking, oh, should I punch him? Or maybe if, if I do punch him, then that will, maybe there's security guards and maybe I might, you know, get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I'll punch him. I'll, I'll, well, I'll threaten him. And so after the service, he's preached, he comes down, and I said, mate, just letting you know, come in. Just come in, come in. Just, shh, no, that's all good. No, it's safe, 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 safe place, church, right? We're all safe. Come, come, come. No, closer, closer. He's like, um... I am close to you. <laughs> no, 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 I need you closer. Close, close. Right. If you ever interrogate me again, I'm going to break your nose. How was the prawns and pasta? <laughs> and that pasta, honestly, there was, I didn't feel that there was any power in the word that he preached in terms of his presentation. There was nothing about the, the worship team there was nothing about the welcomers, although they're all good and they're all important, but there was something about the presence of God that was working amidst every single person that was in that building. Even the caterers, they were just being, they were anointed. They were praying over the, everything about, there was an anointing. There was nothing logically attractive about the service, but it was the presence of God that made me feel like I was at home. It was the presence of God that gave me great conviction. It was the presence of God that put emphasis on the Word of God as it was preached. It was almost as if a million kilograms of weight was lifted off my shoulders and I couldn't do anything else but get to my knees and say, God, forgive me. I am the prodigal son. I am the prodigal son. And all of a sudden, I realized that the prodigal son had a few things that he utilized to be able to get himself out of the situation. And I needed to get myself out of the situation. And, and I'm trying to confess, but I'm still living an ungodly lifestyle. And I'm trying to come to repentance, but I have never at this point said, God, I surrender my entire life to you. But I go back to the to the story of the prodigal son and there is a robe and the robe resembles royalty and favor. So when the father ran to the son, he puts royalty and favor on the son and I'm like, I don't deserve your grace, God. I don't deserve your love, God. I don't deserve any confidence, God. I am ashamed of my life. And the Father said, I'm going to put a robe on you. Come on, somebody. I'm going to put favor on your life. Come on, somebody. I'm going to show you that I love you. And I'm going to put value and emphasis, worth over your life. And so if you feel guilty and too ashamed and too bound down from your past, don't let your past dictate your future, but let my grace determine your destiny, says the Lord. And then I hear about the ring. And the father in the story puts not just a robe on the son, he puts a ring on the son. This is so important. 
when you look into Scripture. Because the ring, if you put a ring on your son, that is the same worth. Or that is the same value or the same intimacy level of putting a wedding ring on your wife. Back in the day, if you put a ring on your son, this is to say, I am committed and I am devoted and I am faithful to you and you to me. This is more than just a nice little gift. This is not just a ring that you get at the reject shop. This is resembling I am with you and you are with me and now we have become one and why don't you do the journey with me and although you've come from this lifestyle, you are righteous in Christ and your righteousness is not determined by your perfection but your righteousness is determined by the grace that you have access to, says the Lord. We have access to His grace and that makes us righteous. Come on somebody, give God a hand. We have access to His grace. This determines our righteousness. I love it, but this is very significant because there is no robe and there is no ring and there are no sandals, which sandals represent that you're not a servant now, that you are a son. So don't walk around like you're a servant. Don't walk around like you owe me something. You are my son. You are my daughter and I love you. It represents love. The sandals represent love. All the servants, they weren't allowed to wear sandals. Only the sons were wearing sandals in the palace. You are now grafted into God's family and you are His beloved son and beloved daughter. Let's give God a praise, somebody. And then there was a sacrifice which tied the knot on everything. It was the sacrifice that made the son right with the father. Because back in the Old Testament, there was still sin that was accounted for unless something was sacrificed on the altar and something bled. The blood represented communion. The blood represented reconciliation. And something was sacrificed which turned into a party, which turned into a celebration. Because what I realized in regards to our Father, our Father God, that He is our protector, our comfort, our strength, our source of encouragement, our peace, our provision, the lover of our souls and the healer of our hearts. And when it comes to Jesus, He was bruised for, but brought healing. He was pierced but eased pain. He was persecuted but brought freedom. He was dead and brings life. He was risen to bring power and He reigns to bring peace. And when it comes to God, the world cannot understand Him. Armies can't defeat Him. Schools can't explain Him. Leaders can't ignore Him. Herod couldn't kill Him. Nero couldn't crush Him. The new age cannot replace Him. And Richard Dawkins cannot explain my God away. Come on, somebody. Give God a hand. So I fell to my knees and I surrendered my life to Christ. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And at that moment... I encountered the love of the Father. I encountered His love. And I used to think that, man, only if my biological father was alive so that he could tell me that he loved me, so that he could tell me that he valued me. Maybe if he was alive, he could go to my school assembly. Maybe if he was alive, he could validate me and tell me he's proud of me. But there is no more of that now. I found that in life, all you need is Jesus. All you need is His grace. All you truly need, even if it meant 
that coming back to God involved sacrifice. And even if it meant that you would get nothing in return, but the very fact that you have a relationship with God and the very fact that it's not just about what you do and what you don't do, it's more about who God is and who He is to you. If you would get nothing in return, would you still serve God? And God challenged me with this. Tell you if it meant that nothing good would happen in your life, would you still love me? Would you still follow me? Would you still sacrifice your entire life in order to gain mine? Would you do that, Tao? And I found myself in tears for the first time in many years. I started crying again. I started feeling again. I saw colors again. As I, as I prayed the sinner's prayer, I, I felt life. I felt joy. I felt freedom. But God said, would you still do it if you didn't feel anything? Would you still do it because I'm God? Would you still do it because I'm your Savior? What is separating you, Tao, from having intimacy with me? What is separating you from getting into my presence? What is that thing that is separating you or stopping you from entering in to all that I have for you, Tao? Will you still love me if you don't even feel like I love you? Because I believe our faith goes beyond what we do. I believe our faith goes beyond attending Sunday services and attending dinner parties. I believe our faith goes beyond just turning up and telling people you're a Christian. I believe faith is sacrifice and surrender and, and saying, God, God, no matter what my future looks like, God, I've put it into your hands and I trust in you, God. I surrender my entire life to you. No matter what it looks like, no matter the hardship I have to go through, Jesus, I know what it took you to surrender to the will of God. But no matter what it takes, God, I follow you. Thank you so much, God, for these wonderful people. Thank you, Father God, that you've taken us from the pig pen to the palace as we surrender our life to you. Thank you, Lord God, that you've got so much goodness in store for us, Lord God, that we can overcome anything. Nothing can stop us, Lord God, because we have your presence, God. Nothing can limit us, God, because we have your plan. And we just thank you for such a wonderful move of God this morning. We pray that that continues in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Come on, somebody, let's give God a hand in this place. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.